very pretty today. Yes, you. I've been watching from over there. You want to see something funny? Hey, take a look over there. You see that man there? Watch that guy. I got to stand him. I got to watch my friend here. He's going to stick his tongue out to that girl. Oh, look at that. Hey! Yo! You see what happened to him? Hey! Hey, you know, if I wasn't a nice guy, I'd Come on, come on. Get too big for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. What I try to tell you. Lesbian. What I try to tell you. This country, you gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. That's why you gotta make your own moves. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, yes, we have broken into the top 40 here on the top 83 albums of 1983 countdown Let's get right into it. Coming in at number 40 here is a guy who did very well versus his former rock pile partner, Nick Lowe. And I did listen to Nick's record, of course, from 1983, but it didn't quite make the show. But Dave Edmonds' record sure did. Not that it's a competition or anything, but I did enjoy the Dave Edmonds' record from 1983 quite a bit. It's called Information. And Dave definitely had a ringer helping him out here on this record for sure. So for the first time ever, and I think maybe only, Dave worked with super producer and, of course, superstar in his own right, Jeff Lynn. Jeff heading up the production here on this album. And you can definitely tell, anybody who pays Jeff Lynn's rate, I feel like you are going to get your money's worth. But he's definitely going to put his stamp all over that record on top of it. So that that's what that's what happens. That's the price you pay, is that your record's going to sound a little bit like an ELO record. They always do, right? And hey, man, nothing wrong with that. Don't think you'll be surprised by the sound on this one right here. So to represent the album Information, here is Dave Edmonds with Slipping Away.
Kicking off the show here today and getting us into the top 40 here. The top 83 albums of 1983 Countdown. That was the great Dave Edmonds from the album Information. That song was called Slipping Away. If you're a Dave fan or a Jeff fan or just a fan of just good basic throwback rock and roll, then check out that record. It's kind of an unheard and unheralded record from 83 in my opinion. Although it did well initially, just seems to have fallen off on the, you know, Long term. But yeah, Dave Edmonds is decently worth your time, I gotta say. And check out that rock pile stuff with Nick Lowe. It's a shame. I love that Nick the Knife record so much from the previous year. I, I wish Nick could have followed it up with something a little better, but hey, those are the breaks, right? Now, coming in at number 39 right here. And some people might be mad at how quote unquote low this album is, but I have constantly said over the years that this is a backloaded album but it still gets into the top 40 just based on the strength of how good that other half is and i'm talking about a huge one of the biggest selling albums of 1983 so big in fact that at one point during its initial release it was one of the albums that temporarily knocked thriller off of the top of the album charts because that thing seemed to be number one for like three years or something but every now and then it drop off in favor of something that was new. This was one of those kind of albums. So when you can unseat Thriller, that's something that even some of the top albums that got coming up on this countdown couldn't even do. Then you're a big record. You're a big band. I mean, they're, these guys were selling records in Yugoslavia. So you got to be happening to be breaking through into that market. But yes, coming in at number 39 here is the fifth and sadly final album. By the Police, Synchronicity, yes, this big old record called Synchronicity came out at the beginning of the summer there in June of 1983. Self-produced, but also co-produced by Genesis producer Hugh Padgham. So Hugh having a big old year with two big, big records with that Genesis self-titled and Synchronicity. Good for you, Hugh. But yes, this is the final swan song, How Sad It Is, for Sting, Stewart, and Andy, one of the greatest bands ever assembled but they went out on that high note with a huge amount of success. So at the same time, I'm sure that was Sting's rationale, which I still don't think he handled the breakup all that great, but hey. And obviously, he's way more listenable with his mates, for sure. Uh, yes, once again, going back to the record itself, it is massively a backloaded record. All the big singles are on the back of it, and not just because of that. Anything that's not called synchronicity on the A-side is a bit of an ask and i just think the sequencing of this album is so weird and i'm a big enough police fan i recognize that they always have that one oddball just to put on there just to be weird art for art's sake and all that stuff but man mother is one of the worst songs 
ever put on a great record, I gotta say. Yeah, I'm sure they think it's funny, but it's not funny. It's real, real fucking bad. But that all being said, once again, the strong stuff on Synchronicity is so good. So, got it here at number 39. I feel like that's proper placement, especially considering what's following this record. And as far as the strong half of this album, you could play anything... I'm going to go with this one right here. I mean, every, I, I like to use the phrase like to this minute or every five minutes you can hear a certain song being played on the radio stations. I know because I lived through it. I know that every breath you take is a huge, massive song then, now, and forever, despite the creepy lyrics, with all the great songs coming in and out of this era, the fact that you can maintain the number one position for any amount of time, especially a month, that's insanity. Video being played nonstop and the whole thing. So yeah, I, I like that song. I'm always going to like it. I feel like it's bigger than ever, Every Breath You Take. But even I can't justify playing Every Breath You Take on my podcast. That'd be absurd. If I'm going to play it, I'm going to play like a live version like I did a few years ago. So uh, the other side of me, I was like, man, I really want to play Wrapped Around Your Finger because that's probably my overall favorite song on Synchronicity. But I'm going to go with this one. I feel like this is a nice definitive cut from 1983 as well. So to represent the monster album that is Synchronicity, I'm going to play King of Pain.
It's the same old thing as yesterday. I stood here before inside the pouring rain. The world turned in circles, running round my brain. I guess I'm always hoping that you'll ever listen to me. But it's my destiny to be the king of pain. The king of All legitimately, always love King of Pain right there. King of Pain by the police from Synchronicity coming in at number 39 on our countdown. Moving over here to number 38 is the debut album by this great band from Australia. That would be The Divinals. They got their self-titled debut album out here right at the top of the year, June of 83, produced by Mark Opitz. And I'm going to use that cliche diatribe for any band that's really only known for one song overall by most people. But if all you know is I Touch Myself, which is a great song, but if that's all you know, then you don't know the Divinals very well. It is not massively indicative of their style and the kind of overall albums they would normally put out. They actually have a lot more edge to them musically. I mean, obviously I Touch Myself is pretty edgy lyrically, but it didn't give you the idea that they were any kind of rockin' band, per se. But man, they had a great rockin' sound early on in their career, and for the most part, throughout their whole catalog. Further proof that you should check out their album. Actually, it's not self-titled. What am I saying? It's, the album is called Desperate. I know this. I own the damn thing on a couple of different formats. But yeah, the album here, Desperate by The Divinals. Really cool rock album that you should definitely, definitely check out. And I have played this song on the show before, but I love it so much, I couldn't not include it here on this countdown and to represent 1983 as a whole. So here is uh, not the title track, but it seems like it could be, judging by the lyrics. But the song is actually called Boys in Town. Turn it up.
All right, the vinyls right there with Boys in Town from their album Desperate, their debut album, coming in there at number 38 on this countdown. And coming in at number 37, this band right here, yet another band making their debut album all the way over on the west coast of California, over in Los Angeles. One of the bands that started a huge movement in music. Yes, one of the big four. Talking about Slayer! Yes, Slayer, their debut album here, coming at number 37, Show No Mercy, an album that is produced by the band and chief head executive of Metal Blade Records, Brian Slagle, a guy who especially had a massive hand in changing hard rock massively, massively in the 80s. Just Metal Blade Records alone changed the game. But the fact that the Metal Massacre thing happened and just really kicked off a movement. So, yeah, Slayer being, of course, a big part of that. At the end of the day, becoming one of the big four. And, you know, I think even hardcore Slayer fans and, hey, all of my favorite bands out of that big four, we love them all, Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, and Anthrax. I'm pretty sure you're going to run into another one of these albums in question here a little bit later on the countdown. Yes, they all seem to have that thing that unfortunately becomes quite a bit of a thing throughout the decade with thrash music is that the production is really hurting some of these records. They're just a little too tinny, a little too trebly, and they don't have that oomph that it really should. You can tell that there's something there, but you have to, you do have to use a little bit of your imagination, but uh, you can pick out at least which songs are the better songs. And Slayer has always been really cool about understanding what their best material is, I feel. So any of the songs that made it into the American recordings, Rick Rubin era of the band, as far as set list goes and, and beyond, of course, any of those songs that they kept in the set list are definitely the best of Show No Mercy. Like this song right here. And 100% the absolute reason I am playing this song to represent this album is that this was legitimately the first song I ever heard by Slayer. Heard it on the AM Z-Rock ripoff radio station Key Rock in the late 80s in Abilene, Texas. And I just recently heard Metallica for the first time as well with Damage Incorporated. And I don't even know what time of day I was listening, but this was definitely the first time I ever heard Slayer. And I was like, wow, what is that? That's the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. I couldn't even comprehend it. So yes, to represent Show No Mercy, this is Slayer with Die by the Sword. <laughs>
So I was complaining about the production prior to me playing that song like I would for a lot of thrash records in the 80s. But I got to say, I haven't listened to those remastered CDs of the Slayer Metal Blade stuff in a while. And I got to go back and listen to those because, man, that sounded way better than I thought it was going to. Really a truly great remaster. So if you haven't picked up those Metal Blade versions of the Slayer CDs, then do yourself a favor because... When you compare those, when you ABM to the original CDs, it is night and day. So have at it. You're welcome. Okay. This next record here coming in at number 36, I also have a nice remastered CD of. That helps. Uh, this band Raven, British band that was one of the big, big deals in the early 80s as far as heavy metal goes. If you follow a lot of those like fun Facebook groups and, and whatever, like any of those retro social media pages where their job is just to post show flyers, old show flyers and show posters of really cool bills that happened in the past. If you happen upon some of those cool old bills and they have bands like Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and even like Twisted Sister, stuff like that, there's a band you will consistently see on a lot of those show bills, and that is Raven. So while traditional heavy metal is still really making waves prior to thrash metal really honestly stealing a lot of its thunder raven was a heavy hitter and they're putting out cool records man and this one right here probably their best album all for one came out in august of 83 produced by the great producer michael wagner and helped out a little bit in co-production of course by the band but also the great udo dirk schneider of accept Brought in there to do some production on the record as well. And maybe just to help out picking songs. I know he does some background vocals on some of the songs. And if you happen upon the B-side, which is also on the CD remaster, if you happen upon that, it's got their cover of Stephen Wolf's Born to be Wild and Udo duets with them on that. So that's a lot of fun. My fandom of Udo aside, this is a very strong heavy metal record. So go check out All for One here by Raven. And to help you get on to listening to that record, maybe once again, or for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, turn it up for this one right here. This is Raven with Mind Over Metal.
a killer slab of metal right there from Raven. They're all for one record. That was Mind Over Metal from that record. Go, 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 go pursue that. That's just one of those albums. You can get a speeding ticket to that one. That's how good that one is. Okay, time for number 35. This is actually a decently important album for me because this was honestly my gateway to this band, believe it or not. And I guess even as of a certain age, that still might come as a shock that I wasn't raised necessarily on their classic stuff. But that would come later for me. But in 1983, I first learned of the Rolling Stones. Yes, coming at number 35 is Undercover by the Rolling Stones. Came out in November of 83. Used to stare at that album cover and wonder what I was staring at because I didn't know anything about anything. I was fucking four years old, going on five, going on 20, looking at that album cover. So, yeah, I had no idea. I was fascinated by it. And I knew the big song that was off of it because I was just rocking out to that song every time it came on, whether it be the radio or MTV. It's one of the first real, like, stylish videos ever that, that I could recall. Yeah, definitely in on the whole thing right here. And people might say this is a one-song record, but I think it's got some cool, fun stuff on there, man. Like, I still maintain that a lot of the dance-oriented stuff that the Stones do are actually quite good. And there's still a lot of that influence on this album. But there's just traditional rock and stuff on as well. There's always stuff that I feel like, you know, Keith and the boys, they bring that stuff in to maintain you know mick going off of the rails too much that's how i theorize that the band has kind of always been and it kind of does feel that way but yeah nothing wrong with undercover man i think it's a solid record i still put it on from time to time it just takes me back to 1983 for that reason so i'm not going to get cute with this one as well this to me has to go on any definitive 1983 retrospective so keep it turned up for this one right here i guess the pseudo title track here Undercover of the Night. Here we go. Make sure to pass 
right there undercover of the night undercover of the night is easily in my top 10 stone songs of all time that obviously that has a bit to do with the fact that it was the song that brought me in but i feel like even if that wasn't the case for some people that might still be in their top 10 let me know let me know if any of you out there got into the stones because of this song alone i'd love to know that okay coming at number 34 right here a surprise entry. I was very surprised by this. I've never had anything against this band at all. I've actually enjoyed the stuff I've heard in the past by this band, but I definitely would not have expected them to rank this high on any of my countdowns. Fun band. And that's the whole thing, is they're fun. They don't get critically acclaimed. They were really honestly started uh, in kind of the shittiest of ways. But I gotta say, the band shined with their attitude, uh, their arrangements, and I think this band is much more than people give them credit for. I listened to this album and I was like, man, that was really good. And you do that sometimes with records. It's like, was I in too good of a mood when I was listening to this record? No, that's the thing. It actually put me in a good mood the initial two times that I listened to it. So I've listened to it again since then. And I've just become a decent fan of this album right here. So talking about officially the sophomore album which means it was just their second full length and they've been putting eps and minis out before this but the second full length album 
by Bow Wow Wow. Yes, Bow Wow Wow. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's the name of the record. Produced by the great Mike Chapman, so we're peeling a layer back. That's definitely something that's going to help any record, is having Mike Chapman involved with it. And as far as I could tell, Chapman actually doesn't have any co-writes on this. This album was apparently 100% written by the band. I don't really see Malcolm McLaren's name on anything here, so that might actually be the thing that's adding to my enjoyment of this record overall. And I don't usually like to give like, hey, you know, cut him some slack and everything, but I think the album stands on its own. But just the fact that Annabelle Lewin was like 15 years old or something when she recorded this album, it's pretty damn impressive. The band sounds really cool, and I think they should be decently heralded for the kind of world influences they brought into popular music. And that was a big deal in England in the late 70s and early 80s. Like, going a little more world, a lot of bands were doing that, but I feel like Bow Wow Wow definitely had a good grip on what a good sound for them was, and it just makes for a fun record. And your record is almost nothing without a great track one, a song to reel you in, hook you in, and this album really sets the tone for the fun you're going to have through most of this album. So I'm going to play this one for you to get you on it. So here's Bow Wow Wow with Aphrodisiac.
All right, some fun stuff by Bow Wow Wow. That was Aphrodisiac from their fourth and sadly final album as far as the original lineup goes and the original run of them. That was an album called When the Going Gets Tough, The Tough Get Going. Definitely recommend a listen of that for sure. All right, number 33 right here comes from this DC band. Very influential band right here. No middle ground in fandom here. You either love this band or you hate them. Bad Brains right here with their sophomore record, Rock for Light, came out in April of 83, produced by the late, great Rick Ocasek. This album was actually re-released a bunch of times and remixed at one point because they didn't like the mix on it or some people didn't like the mix on it. I like all versions of this. I'll, I'll take the remix version and the original. I think I have both, actually. But, yeah, I do like me some Bad Brains. I don't know if I like the first album or Rock for Light any better than the other. I just like them both pretty equally, I think. It's like, I think Eye Against Eye is still my favorite record by them. I know. I should, maybe I should do a ranking of theirs someday. Who knows? But, yes, getting back to Rock for Light here. Fun aggro record. And, of course, you get your hardcore, your punk, little metal happening. You got your Rastafarian jams in there as well. There's a little bit of all their personalities in this band, and that's another thing that makes them so interesting and a true alternative for sure. So I'm going to go with this one right here. Here's a fan favorite and a personal favorite by me. Uh, If you have the original vinyl version, this is the closer on the album. So let's keep it going for Bad Brains. And this is At The Movies.
some quality, quality punk rock music right there with Bad Brains coming in at number 33 with their Rock for Light album. And speaking of quality punk rock, I know I had mentioned, I guess, an episode or two ago talking about how the classic prog bands are, you know, going for the throne, going for the dollar and writing shorter, catchier pop songs. In 83, you've got The Clash breaking up. And basically, a good amount of the class of 77 has gone by the wayside. There's a few of them still around, kicking around. You know, like the Buzzcocks and the Damned, especially. But with the breakup with the Clash impending here, I feel like there's some room for another band that comes along that are working class heroes and, and say all the things that need to be said that kind of thing. And it's a shame that this band wasn't that band because I immediately got Clash vibes, like classic Clash vibes listening to this. And I'd only ever heard a few songs by this band before, but really glad I listened to this record. Looking for albums for this countdown. This thing did so well. This was a big surprise for me. So this band right here, it's a British band, of course, called Coxbar. And they put out their sophomore album in 83. The album is called Shock Troops, self-produced, and just sounds like a good classic punk rock album, the way it ought to be. And I can't really get deep on it because they're not deep. They are just a fun, high-energy listen. So check out some damn Coxbar, if you will. And this album especially, Shock Troops, to get you going. I've got this one right here. It's a burner. It's called I Got Your Number. It can't be right what I'm reading here. No one believes in all the stuff no more. Our ideas and see eye to our eye. Get your press with a bucket full of lies. Telling everybody every word is true. One day soon they're gonna say to you. Oh, listen now. I got your number. You can do
Number 32 right here on our top 83 records from 1983 countdown. And it's a good one. Coxbar with the album Shock Troops. That was I Got Your Number. If you like that song, you're going to love the rest of the record. So go check that out for sure. And we close off the show today with number 31 and yet another surprise and another British band that I knew nothing about. And I, I don't know who specifically to call out for this. But I want to call out every one of my friends who are metal fans that are older than me throughout my life. Talking about all the way from me being three years old to today years old. For not telling me about this band, shame on you. Like I was having that moment listening to this record right here I'm going to talk about. And I felt like that Chappelle sketch, you know, where he's like, man, I wonder what Arsenio is doing right now. And he's probably at a wine and cheese party. And then, like, he's like, damn, that's some good-ass cheese. And then, like, he's like, he's probably getting mad that people didn't tell him the cheese was any good. He's like, why didn't you tell me the cheese was good, motherfucker? You know, like, he gets mad about it. So this is how I'm getting about listening to this record. And it's like, how come no one told me how good this band was? And history has not been super kind of this band either. And I have a theory as to why, but let's get into it right here. This band I'm going to talk about, last band of the night, is called Rock Goddess. And I put this record on, I was out walking, I was like, holy shit, this album is great. This is like, it, it gave me a lot of girl school type vibes, like the best type of girl school records, the best of their bunch. And it's like in this record as well. And it's, it's I'm going to make that comparison because they're British, they're heavy metal, and they're women. It's, that's just how it is. But yes, this band Rock Goddess, their self-titled debut album from 1983 it's a power trio. If it, that wasn't cool enough, it's a goddamn power trio. They make so much noise with three people. Uh, you got these two girls that started the band, Jody and Julie Turner, and they apparently were like little kids when they started playing together. Like they weren't even teenagers yet, and they're playing together. And then you got Tracy Lamb filling out the band on bass later on here for this particular lineup. And man, if you like heavy metal, then that kind of cool, like, this could be also like a punker thing, like the way Motorhead and Girl School was, like that kind of class. If you like that style of music, you're going to love this damn record, the self-titled album by Rock Goddess in 1983. Now, I think the reason why maybe history has not been so kind to Rock Goddess is the fact that, so this album came out at the beginning of the year, like in February of 1983, by the way, produced by a longtime vetted rock producer, a guy named Vic Mayle. Apparently, he worked on Animals Records back in the day, so he turned this one out. But yes, this album came out at the beginning of the year, and by the end of the year, they put out their second album. Second album is not that good. It's so not that good, in fact, that it did not make my countdown, and I ranked it decently low. So they suffered from the sophomore slump. And apparently they just never recovered from that, which is a damn shame. And I see they have a third album that came out a few years after this. So I'm going to be checking that out when we get to it at that point. But sophomore slump aside, people should not sleep on this one great album by Rock Goddess because it deserves to thrive in the history of heavy metal and all of its different types of adjacent genres. So go check this one out. Rock Goddess. It is a fun, raw, heavy record. This track will definitely be proof positive of everything I just said. So let's get into it. The song is called Back to You. 
Closing off the show here tonight and coming in at number 31 in our top 83 albums of 1983 countdown. It was Rock Goddess with the album Rock Goddess. And that was back to you from that album. Go get and or just listen to that record. It's awesome. As I stated before. Okay, I know I say this all the time, but I really mean it. I really, really mean it. I hope you're enjoying this entire Super spectacular 1983 retrospective. And of course, the countdown that goes along with it. We have 30 more albums to talk about and play a song from. I'm going to do it over the next few days. So stay tuned. Tell some friends. Until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Postgame show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.